And now introducing a Chad GPT episode of the Levitard show in which the show does not talk about the Miami Heat or the Florida Panthers, Dan Levitard. Welcome to the Dan Levitard show, where we cover everything from sports to entertainment and everything in between. Today, we're doing a little something different. We're taking a break from talking about the Miami Heat and Florida Panthers to focus on some of the most interesting and thought-provoking stories from around the world. Mike Ryan. That's right, Dan. We're going to deep dive into some topics that might not be getting as much attention as they deserve. Dan Lebetard. So let's start with a story that caught our eye this week. Have you guys heard about the new study on the benefits of napping? Roy Bellamy. I haven't, but I'm definitely interested. I could use a nap right about now. Chris Cody. Yeah, same here. I'm always down for a good nap. Gap. Dan Lebetard. Well, according to a new study, taking a nap once or twice a week could reduce the risk of heart attack and strokes. The study followed 3,500 people in Switzerland over a five-year period and found those who took one or two naps per week had a lower risk of heart problems than those who didn't nap at all. Mike Ryan. <sighs> That's really interesting. I always thought napping was just a way to catch up on sleep, but I guess it has some health benefits too. Roy Bellamy. Yeah, I always felt better after a nap, but I didn't know it could actually be good for my heart. Chris Cody. Yeah. Maybe we should start a nap club. We could all take a nap together once a week and lower our risk of heart problems. Dan Lebetard. <laughs> I like that idea, Chris. Moving on. Have you guys heard about the new Netflix show that's causing a lot of controversy? Mike Ryan. No, Dan. What show is that? Dan Lebetard. It's called The Chair, and it stars Sandra Oh as the first woman of color to chair the English department at a prestigious university. It's been praised for its diversity and representation, but some people are upset about the way it portrays certain aspects of academia. Roy Bellamy. So what are people upset about specifically? Dan Lebetard. Well, some critics are saying that the show perpetuates harmful stereotypes about Asian American women and that it doesn't accurately depict the challenges faced by women of color in academia. Chris Cody. Yeah, it's always tricky when you're trying to tackle a sensitive subject like race and representation. I'm interested to see how the show handles it. Mike Ryan. Yeah, it's definitely a complex issue, but... I think it's important to have these conversations and explore different perspectives. Dan Lebetard. Agreed. And finally, let's end on a lighter note. Have you guys seen the viral video of the dog who loves to dance? Or did the internet fool me again? Roy Bellamy. Jeez. I haven't, but I'm already excited. Chris Cody. Yeah, same here. I love dogs. I love dancing. This sounds like a perfect combination. Dan Levitard. <laughs> well, you're in luck, Chris. The video shows a golden retriever named Bailey dancing to a Michael Jackson song with his owner. It's absolutely adorable. Mike Ryan. 
I need to see this video immediately. Dan Levitard. <laughs> we'll watch it during the break. Thanks for joining us today, and we'll be back tomorrow with more from the Dan Lebetard Show. Dur -dur -dur Hello and welcome, you fan fans, you fan libertarians. We are back, Nathan and Brian in the house. And you are listening to the Fan Levitard Show podcast, the fastest growing Dan Levitard Show fan YouTube channel. That's right. We're up to 444 subscribers. Triple fours, folks. Shout out to Jay-Z. Yeah, you're going to want to get in on that. You're going to want to subscribe, comment. You're going to want to get on the Instagrams. Having a little bit of a blow up there, over 400 there, folks. We're doing what we do. We're growing it, and we're back here again, talking talking sports, talking Levitard show. How you doing, Brian? I'm doing fantastic. Haven't been on in a while, unfortunately. You know, spring sports have kicked into high gear, and I've, uh, I'm on my farewell tour of uh, coaching my daughter's softball team. So that's been kind of taking up the middle of my week. Um, but... I'm happy to be here today. Uh, thank you for getting this early episode in so we can get this done and we can talk to the people. And uh, it feels good to be back. It feels good to be home. It's good to have you, Brian. You've been watching any of those uh, NBA playoffs? <laughs> have I been watching it, sir? Or do you not see what name mm -hmm. I don across my bosom? The Miami Heat. For those that don't know, Miami is French for Aichiwawa. Because how can you else describe this team? This team coming out of nowhere, doing what I always had faith in them for doing, what mm -hmm. Jeremy Taché always had faith in them doing, what Jason Taché always had faith in them doing, what Ryan Parakeet Cortez always had faith in them doing, and I can say the buck kind of stops there. Get it? Wow. I do. Well done. What do you think has been the biggest story of the NBA playoffs? Is it the Miami Heat and what they've done there? Unpredictable run? This playoffs is filled with interesting stories at every single series, at every single level. I don't think we've had a playoff run that's so just engorged with newsworthy topics where some topics that would usually make the front page are now being left off and cast aside. We all reveled in the Knicks shit in the bed last year. We reveled in it, reveled. Was it last year or the year before? Mm. The last time they were in the playoffs, when uh, Trey Hawk kicked up, Trey Hawk, Trey Hawk. When Trey Young got him out of here, we all, it was front page, it was front page, get up. Why? Because the West Coast was out there doing West Coast things. Teams that were good were running through teams that were bad and no one gave a damn. But now, every single series you look at, you can make a headline and a story out of. And you know what? I like it. I like it. And, and it might be exactly what Adam Silver wants. The man behind the mirror. These are puppet strings, marionettes. How about you? Anything that you're, as you know, unfortunately, you not being able to represent your Toronto Raptors, 
what what pulls you to these playoff games as someone who's on the outside looking in? Uh, I mean, I love the Miami Heat story. I think Jimmy Butler has, uh, or I don't care, lock me up, Himmy Butler. Himmy. Right. I think he solidified himself as, I mean, one of the greatest players of his generation. I don't think you can argue that based on what he's done with his team over the last four seasons or so of being at Miami with taking them to the finals, taking them to the Eastern conference finals. And now at what it appears to be most likely taking the team again to the Eastern conference finals as an eight seed. Um, I mean, you just, you can't knock the guy cause there's, it's hard to think of anybody who's been able to do what he does. So that's obviously there. But for me, and I don't know if too many people have talked about this, Brian, but I think Kevin Durant's legacy is on the line this oh, playoffs. Oh, shit. Y'all heard it here first. Kevin Durant's <laughs> legacy is on the line. How so? Explain yours. You come to the court, to the jury mm-hmm. of the people with such heavy claims. Lay them yeah. at our feet. Ladies and gentlemen of the jury. Kevin Durant's legacy is on the line this NBA playoffs. What did he do in Oklahoma City with Russell Westbrook and James Harden? Bupkis. Had to leave him. Go join a historically great, not just a great team, a historically great team to win two finals. That's it. Two, not six. No MJ numbers there. Two finals. Had to join one of the best teams of all time to finally get rings. And then what does he do? He goes to Brooklyn. And what happens there? Do they even win a playoff series in Brooklyn? But he somehow gets praise and accolades thrown on him for the one series that he, what, takes to seven because he played and everybody else was hurt? I mean, big whoop. Nothing special. And now he finds himself on another team. Can't get it done in Brooklyn. He goes, joins another team, Chris Paul, Devin Booker, um, Ayton, DeAndre Ayton, other great players there. And ladies and gentlemen, if Kevin Durant can't get it done in Phoenix, to me that changes the narrative of his career. He's now the player who could only win rings when he was on a historically good team. To me, that just makes him like, you're just you're just one of the run-of-the-mill good players of the generation. Sure, you're one of those freaks of nature, albeit being so tall and able to do everything that he does. But ultimately, nothing special. If he doesn't do anything in Phoenix, Kevin Durant, you're a dime a dozen. Wow. Um, okay. Right. Dime a dozen. Uh, so for starters, let me push back. When you do mm-hmm. the, when you do the Durant Westbrook Harden thing, OKC, you can't say that like that. You're saying that as if Why not? the Harden they were with is the Harden we all have grown to either <laughs> love, hate, or shake ass for at strip clubs. That's not the same Harden. And when he was... It, it would don't don't do that. That's 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 leading that's leading the witness. That's leading the witness. 
Secondly, it gives him no goodwill to being the best player on those generationally good teams that you mentioned him being on. It wasn't as if he was the second player or the third player. He was the best. In order for you to label those teams he went to, Golden State, being heralded as historically good, that means he added to that equation. So him being the best player on a historically good team makes that historically good team greater because of him, not less because of him. He doesn't get no credence for that. None, because now, again, the perspective shifts, Brian, where if he goes and joins all these great things, it's now Kevin Durant could only win when he was surrounded by such greatness. The greatest shooting duo of all time. The greatest shooter of all time. One of the greatest Swiss Army Knives of all time in Draymond Green. That's what it took for Kevin Durant to get over the top. If you're telling me you're so great that you can't get it done with Devin Booker by your side, you couldn't get it done with Kyrie Irving and James Harden again. James Harden, what, is that 2.0, 3.0 iteration of him in Brooklyn for the teeny tiny bit of time that he was there? But those are those are false equivalencies. Because no, 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 James no, no, no. Harden and Kyrie... Durant played a total of we've done more episodes together than they played games together <laughs> all right and and listen and as someone who thinks Ty was replaced by an AI bot I don't believe that that's a high number um and what team isn't Scottie Pippen would be nothing if not for the greatness he played with Clay Thompson would be nothing if not for the greatness he played with I don't think it's a slight to say that Kevin Durant would not have achieved his place upon the mountaintop without playing with greatness. There's greatness all over the league. You just said it, Devin Booker, greatness. How far has Devin Booker gotten on his own? Yeah, and if Devin Booker wants to be remembered as one of the top, 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 top players, he's got to win some rings. I'm sorry. Okay, so was Devin Booker higher on that Mount Olympus than Kevin Durant? No, he's not. But okay, Kevin so Durant, Kevin Durant is up here. How can he be considered dime a dozen if he doesn't win a, a ring this year? Would that bring him down to Devin Booker? Yeah. So Devin it Booker and, him, and Kevin Durant are a dime a dozen. Name the dozen, sir. Name the dozen? Yeah. I mean, shoot, he falls Damian Lillard, okay. great, great player. Charles Barkley, great player. What? Uh... uh Who's that one Nick who is the Ruffles. coach? Choose the flavor that speaks to you. Sorry. For uh, Patrick Ewing. Okay. You know, great player. Carl Malone. All of these uh, guys. Relax. Great. Great. Gener- You're going to tell me Carl Malone. Like Carl Malone. He's a, he's a scumbag. And- I don't want to give him any. Okay. Okay. Sure. 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 <laughs> there you- okay, Never you're mind. naming Hall of okay. Famers though. So you're saying. Yeah. He's Diamond still a Hall of Brian. Brian. He's a Hall of Famer. <laughs> That's not. That's not up to debate. But if you want to go down as generational, like right now, if you want Mount Rushmore, like Kevin Durant has it, like he had a chance. He still has a chance to be a Mount Rushmore NBA player. If he can't get another ring and he fails in Phoenix, 
Don't put him in your Mount Rushmore. Don't talk to me as him of one of the greatest players of all time. He then just becomes a great NBA player. And great NBA players, Brian, are a dime a dozen. Can he be put into the Mount Rushmore of greatest offensive scorers ever? No. Damn. Okay, so not if not with another ring. What no. ring? What does ring have to do with offense? I I, I, mean, I just wanted to, I I just wanted to buckle. Okay, I did the stats. In there. Only three times has the leading scorer actually won a ring. <clears throat> mm-hmm. so, so we got seventy six seasons, seventy eight seasons. How, however many seasons of basketball NBA? It's it's hard to focus day in and day out of being an offensive threat and liability, or excuse me, offensive threat, um, and also take that team to the promised land. It's hard because often you need to big up the people around you. We see Curry, 17 assists last night. He needed 20. <laughs> like, it, it's hard. It's hard. It's hard. It's hard, Nathan. It's hard. Watch the watch. Put down the watch. Christopher Walken. I, I like to take though. I like to take though. Who in this remaining in the remaining eight teams? Before we before we get off the topic, who in the remaining eight teams? And I want all the listeners to let us know too. Who has the most to gain from winning a championship to their legacy? And who has the least to gain if they just tacked on another ring? Hmm. Who has the least to gain? Who has the most to gain? Yeah. Did you have anyone in mind here? I mean, I how do you even categorize think, least to gain? Well, Rings least are to so gain, least, the least to gain is simple. Steph Curry's no wrong. Damn, I thought it was subjective. Um, how is Steph wrong? Cur- I can see how someone can make an argument for Steph Curry's legacy to be so cemented beyond this point. He could retire today and getting another ring would not change that because a lot of people have him directly under LeBron James in terms of generational impact. And most people will never put him above Isaiah and magic as greatest point guard. That's never going to change. No amount of rings will change that. With that being said, getting another ring is just, hey, you're just amazing at what you do and you're raising the gap from everyone after you, but you're never going to reach those other people. You can also make an argument that LeBron James being carried to a ring, carried, if if you are a basketball watcher, a watcher of basketball, and by how these first two series have went so far, it looks like something's up with LeBron. It looks like that foot injury might be a little bit more uh, than we thought. If he happens to be carried in his sense, because he, he's him so averaging 28 and 6 is a lot of people would dream for that. But him not doing his traditional LeBron high 20s, low 30 numbers to the finals and getting a ring, it might go, yeah, that's great. But guess what? Still ain't 6 and 0. Still ain't 6 and 0. Like that might not do. You're not going to convince people who already feel like LeBron is the GOAT that he's more of a goat and you're not going to change the minds of people who already believe the Jordan is. So I think in terms of least, I'm looking at those two most, most 
Man, it, it gotta be what's going on in Denver. It's gotta be what's going on in Denver. Because for a while, the talk around the league, don't ask me how I know, but I know, bless you. The talk around the league, I've been hearing players, executives, fans, people who work in stadiums. They've been having issues with Jokic being prompted up as the next savior of the world and him not producing on the banners. Not his own banners, the MVP banners he hangs up at the farm in Slotvia. I'm talking about, you know, the ones in Denver, the mile high ones. And if he don't win in this, it's never been easier. It's never been easier. LeBron is hurt. AD is eh, eh. Steph is dragging people to the finish line. He can't get there. And, and what's going on in the East? We don't know. We're both older than the coach of the Celtics. Embiid is like, <laughs> hard in Vegas to every other day, and it sometimes helps. And honestly, we know the Knicks ain't doing nothing. I love Miami, but I'm scared that what happens if another person gets hurt? They might not have enough people to field the team. So I don't know. I don't know. I'm just saying, I think it would do more, and it would put Denver on the map in terms of it being established as a basketball superpower. And who knows after that? We've seen what it did to Golden State turned them into a billion-dollar franchise, and the sky was the limit after that. I stalled enough. You got an answer? I do. I have an answer. So, real quick, list of people who have the most to gain. You're wrong. LeBron James, Steph Curry do have the most to gain. They're, they're in that list of people. Why? They're chasing MJ. Six rings. They're both at four. You get to five. You are now one away from the GOAT. MJ, ahead. right? Which... By the way, I think most people would say even if Steph or LeBron get to six, they would still take Jordan over that. They're going to have to get to seven, which, yeah, that is maybe an impossibility, which then maybe flips the argument back to your side, Brian, of they have the least to gain because if they get one more, so what? (laughs) They're not going to get to (laughs) the two more. The seven needed to surpass MJ. Although – isn't that odd how like we would hold a lost finals against them where MJ gets vaulted up is six for six, never lost in the finals, but you're going to hope you're going to punish LeBron. If he does get to six rings and say, Nope, you have all those losses in the no, finals. What I do, I don't punish Steph for the year. He didn't make it when his whole team was hurt and he was hurt. I don't punish LeBron for his year that he didn't make it with the Lakers. And I don't put an asterisk on the bubble championship. So I throw favors to a lot of them. I don't, I don't, you know, I don't quote unquote, we can, we can argue that Cavaliers team that he dragged to the finals. Like, does that really, that, that's like an extended Eastern conference finals. Like that, that wasn't a, like a real championship run. And that's not all him It's on his team, but I offer leeway for all of the people running in terms of goats. You know, people say some of the late greats that have passed. What's the big knock so, on them? The competition. But sorry. LeBron Steph, in my opinion, one of the people most to gain. I'll agree with you, Jokic, one of the people most to gain. If he gets a ring, that would help solidify where he stands in terms of his generation. Jimmy Butler also, again, I think if he comes away with a ring, that is most to gain. I think he gets talked about the same way people talk about the Detroit Pistons team where they're like the last of the teams to win without a star. Jimmy Butler might be mentioned as they're the last team to win with just one star. 
Right. One uh, generational player. No Giannis? Last? Two years ago? Okay, yeah. Nope. Um, sure, sure. There you go. <laughs> um, least to gain? You want to know who has the least gain? It's Kevin Durant. <laughs> least to gain if he wins a ring. Right, Brian. Because if he gets to three, that's not changing anything. He's also not getting to MJ. If he gets to three, he's still behind his generation counterparts of LeBron and Steph. It's not going to put him past them. So KD, most on the line in terms of needing to win a ring, but winning a ring, at least a game. All right. Well, you spoke about what changes. (laughs) Well, what actually doesn't change, I guess, in this case for Kevin Durant if he wins one right now, the show's going through a lot of changes made the, they made the big move. Have you ever been to yep. the uh, Clevelander? I have been to the Clevelander. I was, I've been in the, uh, their old studio. I visited. You've been in the studio. Yeah. In this, I sat in Dan's chair. You, you, you know, I've sat in Dan's chair. I know what it's like to be Dan. Oh, and, you wow. know, as, as our Chad GPT thing, I've also <laughs> played dan as well so how was the experience I, I was unaware of this tell me about it i'm sorry oh i mean it was chris cody hooked me up when i went back last year in march to see the sesta cyclones which by the way folks eliminated from playoffs Told you. um championship game this friday the miami lifestyle chargers versus the wall warriors so that's your battle court season three championship this Friday, little brief, uh, God bless highlight blurb for you there, folks. Yeah, it was a lot of fun. I got, I toured the studio, walked around the shipping container, met Chris Whittingham. Um, yeah, saw nice. So, were you particularly uh, saddened when the 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 proverbial and literal door was shut on the Clevelander and the show was moved over across the across from the Caseya Center at the Eisler Building? Eisler? Elser. Elsa? Elsa? Elser. Elsa. Elser. Seltzer. Okay. Got it. But were you, did you have that show connection and also physical connection with the previous studio? And did it make you feel any sort of way? Uh, I, for me personally, I love new things. So when I heard they were moving to a new studio, I get excited because that's something new. So I wasn't bummed out that they left the Clevelander for me when I was like, ooh, new studio. Let's see what this new thing is like. I instantly wanted to learn all the stuff about it, which you can listen back to last week's episode for any details that I pried out of head of video, John Reed, who I interviewed two weeks ago. So that was fun talking with him and I've been enjoying the new studio experience and the way that it's kind of like changed the show. I think um, you maybe mentioned this either in our prep or briefly as in the show of how it seems meeting, say it official, let these motherfuckers know we have this issue Um, of how it definitely seems like the show, the new studio they're ramping up to go live again. Like I think, uh, DraftKings wants to have their own network where they have shows. And, you know, I think this show is going to be, I think they're going to just do two hours live um, mm-hmm. every day and they'll still keep the local and Suey uh, as still obviously video, but a 
uh, podcast format as well too. But you can tell they're timers, they're timing out segments, and they've brought back the hard network out, their hard network outing Greg Cody. Um, what are your thoughts on the bringing back of the hard network out? If you need some time to compose yourself, I can share my initial thoughts or if you're ready to. Um, thank you for letting me know that I could. Thanks for trying to spell me, but I got this one. Um, <laughs> because I've been thinking about this for some time. We've spoken in the past about some times where we felt the show might could be improved in certain aspects, whether it was in content, um, following up on content, um, delivering on content, um, not promising content, and then not showing up with it. Uh, one of those areas I think you specifically mentioned was to bring back stuff, bring back stuff that was loved, bring back stuff that worked. And I've, I don't personally believe the hard outs was something high on everyone's list. Cause obviously there's segments, um, that take priority over that. Hell, if we just did, if, <laughs> if it wasn't for today's back in my day, I'd be saying, where the hell is that shit at? But, um, when you brought that up back in the day, a few 10, 20 episodes ago, it reminded me of the feeling I felt when I heard the, when I heard the first hard out in the new studio. And I was like, damn, he still sucks. Yeah. And it just, and, and it, it brought me back to a time where, because when I started watching the Levitar show heavily, like I said heavenly, but I meant it, um, like four or five times a week was right when the pandemic kind of started. And I had time to, because it comes on at weird hours and I'm at work. And when I would see the interaction that they would have with some of the strictness that comes with running a show filled with commercials and corporate liability and obligations and the way that they kind of danced around it it, it, it filled me with joy. It was like, oh, I, I like this. I like this show. I'm supposed to be here for this. So seeing a little bit of that being pulled back kind of just made me feel warm inside, made me feel, made me feel like, oh, snap this thing might be possible. How about you? Well, Brian, um, I think you may be thinking of Ty in bringing back old things. I'm more of like, I appreciate the old things. If they want to bring it back, they can. But again, I like new things. I'm fine with people moving on. I, I understand them bringing it back. Um, personally, I wouldn't have brought it back just yet because from my perspective as a fan because it's like they're live um i need to know like how is this clock set up how is how is cody briefed on it because even you know on a show on on this week when cody was on he mentioned like oh you guys changed the clock right mm -hmm. uh so to me if they're going to do it like okay i'm like did they actually change the clock on him or is that his incompetence making him think that they change so the, the rules of the game need to be structurally laid out. For yeah. You. I need to because, know that okay. otherwise I feel like it's contrived and it's not genuine and it's not, it's not genuine. And back in the day when they would do it, it was always at the end of the hour. Now they're doing it like multiple times an hour to where like, I mean, in some ways that feels like a bit of a crutch where if every time you're, you know, usually they end a segment with a joke if Greg Cody's on and you're going to try to sometimes most of the time they did it, sometimes they don't end it with 
the hard network out, which to me just it, as a fan, it confuses me. Yeah. And I'm like, it, it, why is this segment not ended with a hard network out, but all the other ones were? And it got to a point where it almost felt like everything that he was saying was at risk of a hard network out. And <laughs> the, 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 and it's funny because the joke is literally created off the back of sometimes he likes to ramble. Sometimes he doesn't like to pay attention to what's going on. And that's also where sometimes he's in his, he's in his best. He's, I think, he, you know, high volume shooters in basketball. He's a high volume speaker. The more words he can get out, the higher pay that you're going to get on that dividend return investment, ROI, return on investment. We need one of those for Greg Cody. Because the more words that come out of his mouth, the better it is for the listener. So every time he got started to talk and start going down one of his rants, especially when Dan was lobbing up the question, it was like, but with that, the stool guys. And I was like, oh, fuck. All right. Kind of want to actually hear what he was saying there. And then to your point, yeah. And when, when he, when, when Dan tried to play him and he said, yes, I felt like that was an on the spot thing. I don't think Dan expected him with the short answer. So shout out to them for thinking fast on their feet. But to your point, if it's just fake, if you're just hitting a button on your stream deck and then throwing a commercial on after that, nah, it's a, uh, it can't be, it needs to be real, right? To my point, you got to laugh in the face of these constrictions you have when you're at the big four letter company. This was your way to kind of at least make it hilarious. You're not doing this on a podcast. It's a podcast. Yeah, I think when it when they do get to the point where they may be like an actual network um, with DraftKings in that, I think it plays a little bit more. I'd also, I think it feels a lot of times when they're doing the hard network out, it's the same kind of throw it to him at the very last second and he says like one or two words. I'd love to hear some more like throw it to him and give him like five or, you know, seven seconds I did love the first one that they did because they got him with it. And then you could hear him like after it'd be like, oh, you know, he was upset that he didn't get it. So that to me was like, okay, that's genuine. Like they must have like a setup in a time that he's like aware of. But over time as they've done it, like for me as a fan, like I don't I don't know, like how is how does Greg Cody know about the clock? Like how is this being does everyone know like this segment is going to be. 11 minutes long and they have a timer and they're all aware of the time. Right. So just for me as a fan to buy into Greg Cody failing on a hard network out, like I need to know what's the premise that they're setting him up for. Otherwise, you know, and then I would just say, bring it back to just doing it once every hour. Like I don't need Greg Cardi get Greg Cardi. That's a fine. I I don't need Greg Cardi B. Um, what? I don't need him hard networked out every single segment. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I think they got they got excited to have it uh, come back and was maybe a little overused. But you know, the show's been cooking a lot uh, lately, Brian, and it seems like what they've been cooking for dinner is a little bit of beef. Zaslow, Cody beef, David Sampson versus everyone beef. How do you feel about the various beefs on the show right now? Well, the, I'm getting my feet wet with the Zaslow situation. Uh, you've spoken of Zaslow in the past because you are the deep-rooted listener here. 
So I wasn't too fully aware of what Zaslow brought. I remember hearing more. I remember knowing about Zaslow through Mike Ryan's limited fake. I didn't know who he's mocking. I was like, who the fuck is this guy? Um, which I'll leave that for you to chop up. The Samson one. Ooh. Listen, for starters, salute to my brother, Dave Samson. He's doing what you do when you come in to do it. He's shaking shit up. If you're going to be a character and you're going to be constantly reminded that you're said character, the best thing you can do is be that character while denying that your character while being that character. The fact that David Sampson and Pablo carried a week on their own, they carried two weeks ago, they carried that show. And you know what I feel like? Let me put it in sports terms. Young boy comes out because we had two vets that go out. They were injured. It happens. Cool. It's fine. They were expecting a slight drop off. Hey, if y'all get us maybe four out of the next 10 games, we'll consider it a win. But you know what they did? Mm-mm. They went Mr. Irrelevant. Irrelevant. That's a fine. They went Brock Purdy. They went Brock Purdy, and they carried it and, wow. and just shot expectations through the roof. And you know what it did when those vets came back? Vets came back like, oh, shit, he don't know that how I get down. And instead of going out there and hustling harder, they threw some of that angst towards Brock Purdy. And I don't mm. like it. I, I, I felt like, I felt like, I felt like, I'm just saying I felt like. And you know, I love him. Shout out to Chris Cody and Jess. But even though I know Def, Dave and Jess always kind of had a little, their, their thing. I felt like when they came back, and Dave was there, they were kind of overly antagonistic to everything that Dave was saying and doing. And to me, kind of felt like y'all just stepping on a young boy who's trying to get it out the mud, even though we're talking okay. about someone who was a millionaire. So, I mean, <laughs> but I just felt like there okay. was a better way for them to kind of approach uh, going at David. And it wasn't attacking him. It was step up your game. Okay. There's new people here now. And they hear the fish and they hungry. And those people's name is David Sampson, Charlotte Wilder, and Pablo Torre. Okay. Shout out to Pablo and Mina looking fantastic on that carpet of theirs. I don't know if it was red, blue. I don't know what color it was, but they look dope. Yeah. Top 100 influential Asian Americans. Shout out to them. Happy AAPI History Month, too, mm -hmm. folks. Yeah. Good, good shout out, Brian. Good job. Good job. Zaslow Cody beef. I'm always I'm always here for a good beef. I think conflict is always interesting. Dan Lebetard as a host always tries to promote conflict, you might say, or pit people against each other. Um and I I I thought it was funny the way Zaslow was talking about Greg Cody and not trading Dan Marino. And I mean, it, he's not wrong about how Greg Cody doesn't know what he's doing. Um, you know, you hear some of those frustrations that Zaslow shares, you hear those same frustrations from Chris Cody about him on the show as well, too. Uh, I thought the way Greg Cody handled it was classy and uh, well done on his part personally i've enjoyed having zaslow in for the 
for the show lately. I thought he's brought some much needed energy to what has been for the show an exciting like local sports time. I think whenever he's been in, like it's been kind of like that upbeat attitude that fans kind of like expect from the show. I think that we weren't getting because half of them were out on the heat for most of the season. And when they do give it to us, it seems to your point, not authentic. You know, I get it. You capitulated guys, but kind of like, huh? Or, you know, when someone does try that, they get it. We get it like this. Let's go. Right. Um, So I personally, I've loved the addition of Zaslow. And I mean, I think they might be flirting with or considering adding him in some form or capacity because three appearances lately. I mean, he seems to have a good fit with the show. I don't know what. I think he's just a podcast right now. So I I wouldn't mind having more Zaslow regular. I like the energy that he brings to the show. Well, since you're on the topic of bringing people on at Metal Art, what do you do better than Taylor? What do I, what do, I do better than Taylor? Mm-hmm. Yeah, since the the video department here coming up got some some kid putting out this New York Knicks video, like I saw that and I knew instantly that that was gonna be a mistake on his part, right? You can go to the Instagram folks, see how I covered up his Timberland boot with some trash shoe, put the Knicks logo on it. Dude. Then did you think this was how high up this does this go? You think this is just a rogue agent? You think he was like, haha, this is how I'm gonna make my stamp? Or do you think this is a bit? Do you think we're just doing a thing here? You know, honestly, from my read on Taylor, I think he is very savvy since coming to the show. He's to me, he's shown like some impressive, like what's the I don't know. Gusto. Uh, Gusto, but like he came with a clear vision for things that he wanted to add to the Levitard show. I think this was something of his own choice to go out and do his like Nick's tape and have it be promoted by the show. And honestly, whether he was going to be right or wrong, it just, it, it gave the show a lot of content. So I think from what I've seen from Taylor, that he's been really smart, right? He came in and did who that, who dad is, which uh, from fans who are looking for things from the social media, like I love watching that like every single week, seeing the show. I think it's a really smartly produced thing. And now this, like, I think if he's right, then it just becomes something that works. If it works, it works. If it doesn't. Yeah. Okay. If it's wrong now, he's now he's the butt of the joke for the rest of the series. So Samson comes in and bigs up the Knicks after they beat Miami and tie the series one-to-one. And then when Dan comes back, he gets, at this point, sent home, it seems like. I know he left on his own accord, but the punishment was, to me, severe. As someone who knows David personally, he, he takes shit like that. He doesn't take it personal. It's nothing's personal. But he just stores it in his little neck. And he stores it in there, you know, to bring it up for later. But 
the fact that that happened, and then Taylor does this Nick thing, and other than the punishment of walking outside in the Jalen Brunson jersey, which I'm assuming he would do anyway, I mean, that's his team, it didn't seem like the punishment fit the crime. Is it because maybe the Knicks lost? So, ha ha ha. And he doesn't have a mic per se. So him being on the show, never mind. I answered my own question. Disregard that. Just wanted to see if that they were being, you know, I'm just looking for, I'm looking for moments to come to David's aid if he needs it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I've, I've reached out several times and offered to David Sampson that he could exclusively do his reviews on the fan Levitard show. Oh, and, and we're going to get that starting soon, right? I've always gotten hashtag wait to see. See, so cute with the hashtags. But I've always jumped in. Every time David Sampson's complained, I've always sent him like a DM or message. I'm like, just so you know, David. Get it off your heart. Always welcome to exclusively give your reviews here. And then the dream would be, well, unfortunately, Dan, I'm not going to give my review here. If you want to hear it, you can go to the fan Levitard show. That's, that's know, the dream, uh, that's the vision, but... David Sampson and I are working on a show called Twins. It's a play off the classic 1989 movie with Arnold Schwarzenegger and Danny DeVito. Because I'm 6'6", mm. and Caramel Mocha, and amazing, and he's David Sampson. And that is... Uh, Another episode of the Fan Levitard Show. It is. I am Brian. I'm Nathan. And it's been a Thanks pleasure. Thanks for joining us. Oh, oh wait. Fans. Thanks wait. for joining us. And it's been a pleasure. <laughs> fan fans. Got it. Nailed it. See you later. <laughs> <laughs>